So welcome back to the number one podcast in the sport where I still believe Charles Martin's undefeated because I don't understand what happened on Saturday night. He he gave us Larry Holmes mixed with Muhammad Ali for five and a half rounds and then it's almost as if someone threw a peanut and that hit him on the head and he's just distracted. And it was just harsh seeing him and they had him all tied up in the ropes like they used to do in the WWE days. Man. It was tough. I don't know if I'm going to do an episode of that, actually. I'm, I'm too traumatized. I'm not going to pretend I will. Just a few bits of housekeeping for this one. Congratulations to Chris Congo for signing with Boxer and Sky. Also, congratulations to his Congolese brother, Jamie Shakiva, who's also signed to Boxer and Sky. Now, if you have followed me, you'll know I've talked about Jamie Shakiva for at least five and a half years. I know him really well in the amateurs when I was training Courtney Bennett. He was like our chief rival. I think they've had four fights in the amateurs, Courtney three, Jamie one. He's he's one of my favorite guys to look out for. He he could be the definition of a throwback fighter. He's got a lot of those 70s elements. Strong, solid. You know, he's not gonna be, you know, up there in the bodybuilding contests or anything like that. But I tell you what, good luck trying to get that guy out of there. Chin, solid, combination punching, getting better every day. And he's understanding himself a lot more. I think his challenges will be more mindset than technical. And if he can hook it all up, whew, it'll be scary. And here's an interesting thing. So him and Steve Robinson have fought before in the amateurs, and he beat Steve Robinson pretty easily. So what do you do with those guys? Do you get them together? Do you get them separate? And another bit of, you know, a little, little bit of trivia there has, I don't know where the footage is, but there was footage of Jamie Shakiva sparring David Adelaide. Worth watching if you want to gauge where each person is at in their career, if I'm being honest. But congratulations to those guys. I'm glad they've got the platform. And it's good to see Sky building from the ground up here. You know, it'll be easy to, to chase the superstars, your Liam Smiths and so forth. But I like the fact that they're building from the ground up. And it seems to be building guys who who can actually fight and have an aptitude to learn. So I'm happy. But the purpose of this episode actually is, is more around what happened on Saturday night. So I managed to grab an hour with Greg Hackett where well, he grabbed an hour with me. So the, the shoe was on the other foot. So I had questions to answer, but it turned into more of a dialogue between me and Greg Hackett. And you all know Greg's done, what, three episodes with me so far? I think he's one of the most knowledgeable people when it comes to boxing. He actually just gets it. And I keep saying to people, one of the, he's one of the funniest guys in boxing. Follow him at Greg Hackett86. It'll be in the episode notes as well. Let me know if you enjoyed. It's a bit of a departure, but let me know if you enjoy the content. And if you do, as always, please, you know, like, share the usual things. And all I can say is have a great day, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm Greg Hackett. Welcome back to the second segment of Talk That Boxing Shit. <laughs> it's like, no, but they had some good conversation going on there, fellas, where they was talking about American fighters and black fighters being compared to Cuban style and all that old shit. So I'm waiting for my dog to get back on here so we can finish talking because he seemed like he had a lot to say. So, we'll see what happens. Matter of fact, let me send him a live. Slide from there. Let me go back to your sister house, pick up some mac and cheese. 
Man, back over to your grandma. I heard your grandma got the grits and all that. And go to your grandmama house. Pick up the grits. Your sister got the mac and cheese. There you go. He just stepped in the building. You know what time it is. <laughs> just stepped in the building, y'all. High field boxer. Guess yeah. who's the Zach? Still smell the crap of my clothes. Don't make me relapse on you hoes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he took the <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm all right, man. I'm good, man. Appreciate you. Hey, listen, like that guy, man, you was talking crazy about the Cuban stuff. Why do you say? If you, because let's break it down, man. How long, how long have they boxed in Ohio, right? Set, over a century, they've had good boxing in Ohio. You sure? That Cuban thing really only started to pop off in the 70s, right? So it's not, you can't, you, yeah, so how do you box like a Cuban if Ohio was popping before Cuba? Do you see what I mean? That's true. So people misunderstand the whole Cuban thing. That's what frustrates me. Like the Cuban style is the Russian style because in the 60s, the Russians went over to Cuba and they said, look, here's our system. And it's called the funnel, right? We start off with 100 kids and just they tell us who the best five are, right? Because, you know, kids get distracted and some aren't that good. So, that, so when they go from 100 to five, you know those five are special. Hmm. And then they focus on those five every year. Those five get the best coaching, the best facilities. Bang, 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 bang. Everything. And what they also did is remember this. Because Cuba doesn't have a pro system, they built a whole, a whole network that said, how do we win Olympic gold medals? Mm. And they did the analysis. We've got to be able to move this many times every round. We need to be able to avoid this many punches every round. And so it's designed for three three-minute rounds. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're taught to do that, because like they don't care if you turn pro or not. So when you turn pro and all of a sudden you're making different decisions, they have to relearn that. And that takes hard work. Yeah. But when you've got that money and that unity, like you said earlier, man, when you've gone from having nothing to having a little bit of something, whoo, you go crazy. Yeah. Like, listen, I had friends, right? They, they did the Olympics in 2012 for Cameroon. Yeah, And they ran away from the village, right? And stayed in the UK. But once they started to feel that UK lifestyle, started drinking crazy, they weren't training like they were used to, as when their career suffered. Mm. There's a kid called Thomas Asomba. If you ever get to find him on video, he's a journeyman now, but one of the most skillful guys I've ever seen. He's what, 50, 54 kilos? Small guy, but could really, really box. Yeah. But the lifestyle got to all of those guys, so they were never hungry. So when people say that Ohio guys box like Cuban, that's why I said, is it a technical question or a mindset question? Mm. Yeah. So, all right. I get what you're saying now. I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Because Ohio... So you're saying... What I you're saying... Yeah. Which, what he was trying to say is their mindset is similar to a Cuba's, but it's not so much that they boxing like Cuba because they've been out before Cuba. No, nah, but what's Ohio, from what I know, and it's limited, is a blue-collar state. Yeah. They love that. Roll your sleeves up, tough it out. Yeah, that's true. So I don't imagine someone like Broner's popular in Ohio because, you know, Broner's flashy with it. You know, that's the opposite of a Kenny Pavlik. Right, right. See? They love Kenny Pavlik because Kenny Pavlik was 
uncomplicated. He didn't do anything that wasn't necessary, and he got the job done. True. Until he met Philly's finest, right? I mean, had Bernard doing press-ups in the ring and everything. True. And it's the same with Philadelphia. Philadelphia is a very... I think you said it when we first spoke. You said, you don't walk into a Philadelphia boxing gym if you've never had a street fight. Mm, that's real. <laughs> so so that, creates a, that creates a certain kind of animal, you see? Yeah. But let me give you an example. The boxing gym I was part of in the UK, you had to be a nice guy. You had to have hobbies and interests outside of boxing. Mm. That, that gave you a certain kind of person. And it worked when it was three three-minute rounds. Right. And you could take half the year off and train for half the year. It was perfect because you could be a rounded individual. But when it comes to this pro game, like you know, you've got to be an animal. All and your day. body has to hold up. Yeah, that's true. Because in the amateurs, you look after each other. It's a team thing. It's like, I can't take your head off because, you know, we're in this together. I'm going to help you get better. In the pros, your head can get taken off. Anytime. Different kind of animal. Yeah. Yeah. And the Cuban system doesn't have that, that whole thing of taking someone's head off. Right. So when it gets sticky for them, they don't know. There's, they haven't got that mentality of, oh, I'll take your head off before you take my head off. Right. Yeah. Because when that running thing doesn't work, and you've got to stand there and go, we're going to bang out here, guys. We're just going to bang out till it's done. That's when you find out who your real street fighters are. And that's why, like, I like watching Gabe Rosado, because Gabe's always in a fight. Right. But that's not technical. That's mindset. Right. Because he, you, can, you can't train that. He already saying to himself, it's going to be some shit tonight. We're going to yeah. get into And you'll know this. He was like that before he ever stepped in the ring, right? That's true. So the question then becomes, how do you select for that? Because that's what you need at the top level. Everything else you can teach. Mm. So it's like getting ready for better BF. Whoo! <laughs> but look where he's from, though. But look where he's from. Like, Baturbia's from where? Dagestan? Where Khabib's from? Yeah. And they, what do they, they, they talk about blood feuds over there. Everything gets resolved with the gun. Mm. Yeah. So you've got to be a certain kind of person <laughs> to be respected in Dagestan. That's real shit. That's real shit. Yeah, I think, all right, so I think you cleared it up a bit more for us when, when, when we say, because he was, he was saying, so you didn't like the, the fact that he was saying Ohio fighters are like Cuban fighters. But you have to, because you have to explain two things. One, it takes a long time for someone's culture to bed in somewhere else. It just takes four or five generations. Mm. So something, because remember, the Russians went to Cuba in about 61, 62, right? With the boxing. And mm -hmm. the Cubans were terrible until about 72, 76. Then the Cuban thing that we know started to pop because they needed to get it wrong a few times. Mm -hmm. So what Ohio have, they've had since 18-something, right? And they've built that steadily over the years. Right. Now, is, is, can it be similar to the Cuban stuff? Well, yeah, if you're looking for the right things, because a fight's a fight wherever you go, right? Right. So, so it's binary. They're either people that love that feeling of getting hit, or there are people that don't like that feeling of getting hit. Yeah. And they'll react differently. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the real shit, though. It's true. People it's true. Like, when you see Mayweather, right? 
Mayweather's the guy that will fight anyone anywhere. You can, you can see Floyd having a street fight. He's got that in him. And he'll do all the running around when he wants to. But if you notice, in every Mayweather fight, there's a point where he just lets the, the other guy know, I can stand in the middle of this ring and beat you up if I want to. Because mm -hmm. he did it with Pacquiao. Do you remember? In that fight, he, I think in round, was it round four and round eight, there were times where Floyd could have taken him out. Mm -hmm. And Floyd was like, no, 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 no. We might need to rematch. Let me keep some money in this guy. Right. <laughs> Real shit. He, he, he said, let me keep some money in him because if I knock him out now, I can't get my 200 million for the rematch. And then Pacquiao didn't show him the respect, so that money went. Yeah. But they'll fight again. Now that they're both retired, you know they'll fight again in Dubai. They said, that's what, that's what they're saying. He get Floyd getting ready for something in Dubai. I think he'll fight Pacquiao in Dubai. Yeah, you might have heard something then. Because <laughs> that's what that... That's, no, 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 I, no, no. no. <laughs> I just know I, how know. Dubai works. Right, right. Yeah, that would be crazy. Like, and it will be an exhibition. So Floyd will say, listen, I'll, you know, I'll carry you through this. Don't try and get clever. And we both make $80, 90000000 million. That's what happened. You know Manny needs that money. Yeah, why not? Hell yeah. He definitely going to fight for that. Yeah. That's crazy. So what's, your, so what's your favorite right now? Your favorite, what's your favorite style of fighting right now? Ooh. Oh man, I was talking to a young guy and he's he's trying to, you know, he's looking at turning pro and I was saying to him, I'm a Miguel Cotto fan and here's the reason why. You can coach what he does. You see Roy Jones, you can't coach that. Unless you get a kid from five years old, you'll never turn him into Roy. And then you need the genetics as well to be Roy. Right. James Tony, same thing. Hard to coach that style. Hard. So you look for something that's quite coachable. Errol Spencer's coachable, but I like Cotto because he can do more things differently. And he's a left-handed orthodox guy as well, which, you know, I always think is it's smart. Because if you look at the guys like him, Oscar, left-handed orthodox guys are savages because that jab hurts even more. Right. You know, so they, 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 hurt, they hurt you more with their strong hands. So... No, I'm a fan of theirs. I'm trying to think who else is who else is really doing it right now that excites me. Paterbia, but did you see the Marcus Brown fight? Yeah, I watched it. I love that. Doesn't give you time to think. Right. You know, he he's there. He's just like every 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 point two of a second, I'm touching you. He don't even he don't even gotta hit you. He just physically smothering you. Mm hmm. Just stays right there, so you always have to think about him. You feel like you can't breathe. You suffocate. Yeah. So everything you did in camp goes out the window after two rounds. It's like, well, I didn't prepare for this shit in camp. Yeah, you ain't because because <laughs> that kind of pressure fighting that light heavyweight, you need to spar heavyweight. You need to be sparring. Yeah. But that kind of pressure. Yeah, exactly. But you, and you need a small heavyweight as well. Yeah, somebody gonna let this shit go. Yeah. And so and you. And that, but he, he's a beast. Because what was he? As an amateur, he was, he was 91. So he was, a, he was a heavyweight in the amateur. So he's a bigger guy. Yeah. So do you think, so do you think uh, Marcus Brown going out the way he went out, do you think that's from the lack of training? Or is it like what's actually happening inside of the ring that night? Like what you think is the, the biggest thing? No, no, but when you look at Brown normally, he looks good, right? When, when, when he's allowed to look good, 
he looks like the best light heavyweight in the world. Mm -hmm. He's reckless with the head, though. Someone has to do something about that because that's three big cuts for, you know, because he's reckless with his head. But when I, when I see Marcus Brown, I see someone, you'd love to have a guy like that in the gym, but he has out-of-the-ring problems as well, which makes you think, you know, how disciplined are you? And then someone like Baturbia is going to show if you're disciplined or not. <coughs> yeah. Because yeah, you'd have known what was coming, right? So Baturbia is a guy that you've got you've to hurt him. There's no point in trying to run around and pick you. He works, his work rate's too good. It's like Usyk. You're not going to outwork Usyk. Yeah. And that's that, see, that comes back to that. That's the Soviet style. And bring all the way back to the Cuban discussion. The Cuban style looks different to the Soviet style, but they come from the same source. What the Russians figured out was in the pro game, we can't do all of that stuff, that slipping, sliding, rolling, because you're going to get hit anyway. Yeah. So how about we hit them more than they hit us? Because that's what wins fights, really. Yeah. So they figured out that pro thing, just, you know, applied science and logic, whereas the Cubans don't. So they come to America and go, I want to fight like James Tony," And it's like, no, no, no. Let's take what you have now and just work on the gaps. Your defense is your gap right now. Right. And I think that's where the Cuban guys struggle. Like once, once the legs go, their careers end very fast. Look at Gamboa. He became a punch bag later on. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate it. And I hate it seeing him go out like that too. No, but he didn't know. Like, you know, boxing, people but just and, assume boxing's technique. And he got American guys real good too, chilling in Miami. He started Yeah, but I, I it's crazy. I, I, I do because you know, over in the UK we look at the Americans. I don't know if you ever saw the Kel Brook interview when you after you fought Crawford, and he yeah. said something really interesting. And he said, "These American guys are learning stuff that we don't learn in the UK." Mm. You know, and people are going to. I don't know how many people are watching at the moment, but I, I'm going to. I know I'm going to get a hard time for saying this. If you look at Crawford versus Porter, Kell Brook had an easier time against Sean Porter than Terence Crawford did. Kell won his fight 8-4 comfortably. It was an 8-4 win. Right. And, right. and they're the same age, so there can't be any of this. He was too old. He was too young. Kell Brook and, Ter and Sean Porter are the same age, roughly. Right. So, and that's a prime Sean Porter. No, no miles on the clock. And Kell had it easy. Right. So for him to then say, look, against Crawford, I was seeing stuff in that I've never seen before. That tells you that there's something you guys do in America that's good. And just having been there a few times, the thing I learned was it's about you don't separate amateur and pro like we do here. Because uh... you've got the little kid. What's the little kid's name? Is it... Uh, surname's Bay. Shah not Shaheen. Oh, What's his name? Salim Bay, little kid. What's he? Twelve, thirteen? He about fourteen. You see how he boxes? Yeah. Fully formed already, right? That's how he's going to box in the pros. You know that. Yeah, yeah, true. Now in this country, they're taught him keep your hands up, be stiff, one step forward, one step back. They're taught him all of that stuff that doesn't really help you in the pros. Right. Well, in America, you get taught the right things from a young age, and then all you do in the amateurs is you turn the speed up. And in the right. pros, you slow it down. Slow it down. Work on the well, punch. here, you learn one way of boxing in the amateurs, you have to then stop and learn all of that 
and then relearn how to box as a professional. Mm. I get That's it. That's why we're never as good. Never. Yeah, you'll never get a Crawford out of this country because you don't start early enough. I got you. I understand. I understand. How can you be yawning when you're five hours behind, man? Because, <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm an old man. Nah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. You still got another 10 fights left. I know, I do. <laughs> Especially if I get in some better shape, I do. Nah, listen, it gets harder as you get older, man. I'm trying to, what am I now, man? I'm about 238, and I'm trying to shift down to 210. How tall are you? 6'1". Uh, oh, you 6'1", though? Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to hold it. Because I'm, cause I'm about 5'6". I weigh 200. Yeah, but you see, but you'd be harder to knock over because you've got that lower sense of gravity. Yeah, yeah but I'm, I don't know this shit like football, you know? You like Dwight Muhammad Kawi, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, like that. I think that's what it is, though, when it comes to boxing. It's, it's mindset over everything. But if you can get them young, like that young Salim Bay, I watched, you know, I watched some of his videos and I just went, we don't have kids like that. The closest we've had to that recently was probably Billy Joe Saunders when he was that age. Right. His father, his father's a great teacher. Great teacher. Yeah, well, you can see. Yeah, his father's a great teacher. That's hey. the wolf from the Hawks, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his dad. His name Dao. Now, I've got a lot of respect for that guy because now when I saw his kid, I said, I need to train a kid that looks like that. <laughs> hey, so I got a question. With, yeah. with Lomachenko, uh, with his style, do you think we're going to see that style come from that area? Of the world uh, in the future? Nah, he's a one-off. You know, remember yeah. his dad's a boxing trainer, and he's had him from an early age. Th those guys are one-offs. You know, Floyd's a one-off. He was born into the right family at the right time, and they had him from from a baby. Lomachenko mm. had him from a baby. Roy Jones Jr. His dad had him from a baby. So they they get that education that you can't you can't replace that. Bo boxing isn't what they do; it's who they are. Yeah. Whereas you got someone, let's, let's say, remember back in the day, the rivals, when, when they were kids, Roy Jones and Antonio Tarver were rivals. They were the same age and the same size. Right. But look at how differently they box. Tarver, all fundamentals. Yeah. Fundamentals, basic. How's Tarver going to stop you? He's going to hurt you with a straight left. No, no bells and whistles to what he does. Roy Jones, <laughs> you didn't know what he was going to hit you with. Right. So Roy went off. I went to the mountains and back. But what happens when you get older, you get slow? You need fundamentals, which he never had. But Tava always had those fundamentals. Real shit. And that's why Tava was able to then beat him when they met, because Roy had already been to the mountaintop. There was no And you know what's crazy? He had fought John Ruiz at the heavyweight and then had to come back down. So like you said, yeah. he, he did enough where he could have retired right then and there. But then for some reason, he felt like he needed to get that off his chest with Tarver. They people, when you talk to boxers, they have no sense of their own mortality. Mm. You know, you're like, hold on, you just went all the way up. What did Roy weigh for that fight? 199? Yeah, 199. I don't even think he had 200 pounds for the fight against Ruiz. But you still got to burn off 20 pounds of muscle to come back down to light heavyweight. Right. But your body's right. different now. Right. Because now your body's like, no, 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 we're used to that slower pace now. Right.
whereas Tarver was still what was he? he was still about heavyweight before he moved up. And people and what people don't understand, he didn't take a tune-up fight. He came right back and got a super. That's a super fight. Yeah, that like I said, you know, no humility sometimes amongst these guys. But what can you do? Um, but that's I, I love. I, I love that sort of discussion around, you know, what styles will take over. Because you know this, right? Remember, there was a few years ago when everyone wanted to box like Pacquiao. So everyone wanted to be Southpaw. Yeah. And then it was Floyd. Everyone wanted to do the shoulder roll, right? Yeah. And you still get trainers now teaching the shoulder roll. But they don't actually understand the science behind it. Right. You know, they, all they do is they see, oh, well, Floyd turns his shoulder. They don't really know when he does it, why he does it, what are the mechanics behind it. You know, right. What are his feet doing? What are his eyes doing when he's shoulder right. rolling? They have no idea. And that's why, like, and I don't know if it's the same in America, but we're getting a lot of guys who go from being a personal trainer to then saying, I can be a boxing trainer. Yeah. Shit, we got mechanics wanting to be. It's crazy. And you try to explain to them, you say, <laughs> at some point, you've got to do hundreds of rounds, right? Because you've got to find out what actually works in the trenches and what doesn't. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're not hitting someone 20 times unanswered. Yes, sir. And that's what I was saying in the messages earlier. If you look, boxers become like their trainers. If a trainer doesn't know how to put someone on their backside, his fighter will never learn how to put someone on their backside. Yes, sir. If, if a boxer doesn't, if a trainer doesn't know what trench warfare feels like, his fighter will never know what trench warfare feels like. And a lot of people forget that. That is, the mindset of the trainer becomes the mindset of the fighter. Mm -hmm. That's true. Because yeah. I, I, I even noticed things about myself that I picked up from both of my trainers from being around them. And I'm talking about just everyday life, not, not yeah. in the gym. I'm talking about shit I do in my life that I picked up from my trainers. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? Like, you know what I mean? But you're right. It's what I say. Like... I was, talking, I was talking today about, you know, and I said, this year I'm going to live my life like it's a training camp. Yeah. Commit to doing things that I don't like doing, but just keep doing them often enough. And then a year from now, let me see how far that took me. Because yeah. I, I think that, that part of boxing, people don't understand. If you're able to live that camp lifestyle, you can do most things in life. Because a lot of civilians, they're scared of that. Because it's like going to jail. Mm-hmm. Not that I've been, by the way, in case any, I mean, in case Treadstone's listening. <laughs> Real shit. Not trying to get redacted in these streets, man. Nah, fuck that. So, so, so what you think about uh, King Kong Ortiz? He's fighting tonight. Ooh, see, I'm a big Charles Martin fan, and I don't even know why. I like him as a character. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but the thing is, you watch him. And it's all, everything's slow, but he seems able to hit people. He's like, in the UK, we've got Joe Joyce, who's similar. Joe's just big and he looks slow. Yeah. And you watch him and you go, but how are they not getting out the way of those punches? And then you realize that these guys just know about positioning. They're just in that right place to let it go. Yeah. Now, Ortiz is, I think it's a mountain too high for Charles Martin, but right. as, as long as he doesn't get knocked out in two rounds, Anything that, if, if he goes the distance with Ortiz, it's a big, I think that's a win for him. Yeah, just going the distance. With Ortiz, I think so. And what it will hopefully do is it will smoke out Joshua. Yeah. And then Joshua goes, like, let me fight this Ortiz guy. Yeah. 
And then, but, but, but that's a deep card, though, man. That is, in terms of fights I could watch, it's deep. You got Ortiz Martin, you got John Forever Rice, that's his name, isn't it? Uh, against Coffee. But oh. Coffee was meant to be the next guy coming up, if you remember. Yeah. And then Donny Rice was like, I don't think so. And they was going to try to rush him because of his age. So they was going to try to push him. If he would have beat that guy, if he would have beat uh, Rice, they were going to rush him. It might have been him. It might have been him fighting uh, Ortiz tonight. Yeah. You can't, in the heavyweights, you can't rush, man. Nah. Because the stakes are too high. You can't rush people in the heavyweights. You know why? You know why I think people rush? I think they want to they create uh, that Mike Tyson effect again. So I think that's why and that money. They want to get. They, they want to cash out. Yeah, that big money. Yeah, which I don't agree with. I'm like, well, you know, you you have to be super careful with that. But that's a deep, deep card. You got what? Frank Sanchez is on there as well, right? Frank Sanchez. Oh my, yeah, yeah. We don't get see. We don't get cards like that in the UK, where it's just every fight means something. You know, so you can be sat there for three hours, and all these fights mean something. Yeah, it's almost it's almost like a tournament. Yeah, we, you know, we find out who's who. Whereas here, they'd have sent them all in different directions and they'd never fight each other. Like, in the UK, the number of people... I'll give you an example, right? There were two fighters. One, there's a guy called Anthony Crawler who fought, fought Linares, remember? And he fought... Did Crawler fight Lomachenko? Yes, you remember when Lomachenko knocked him out with the right hook? Mm -hmm. Damn near burst his head. <laughs> right, so, there's a guy called Anthony, yeah. so there's Anthony Crawler at lightweight, and there was a guy called Terry Flanagan as well, who, Flanagan. who fought Maurice Hooker, if I remember. Yeah. They went to school together. So for years in this country, we said, can they just at least fight each other? Man? They went to school together. They live in the same city. They never fought each other. Politics mm. never fought each other. Whereas in America, that doesn't happen. Everyone fights everyone eventually. Yeah, at some point. Most of the time. What fights haven't got made? Because a, a, lot, a lot of the ones we want to see, they, they tend to get made. I mean, we never, we never got, we never got uh, 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 Bernard and... Uh, Tony. Who? who? Did we get Bernard oh, Tony? Bernard James Tony. We never got that fight. Uh, but that's, I think that's a Tony issue, though. It, it normally is with James. I mean, yeah, be, yeah. It was the weight. I think it was the weight. Uh, yeah, might have been the weight. I wasn't ready to go up. Bernard wasn't ready. The eight or no shit like that. So he 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 stayed at sixty for a long time. So yeah, that might have been what it was with that. But it, I mean, it's been a few. Floyd Floyd made it tough because he shit. I almost didn't think Cotto was gonna get made, but that came years later. Yeah, but. I, I remember when they both was at when they both was at one forty. I thought they were fighting, but they, but it happened eventually. Yeah, it did happen. I think people say, "Ah, oh, there's a time when Floyd could have been beaten." I don't think there is. Uh, and remember that like, when someone loses, we don't even know how good they could have been because it's only when you lose we realize where your ceiling is. Right. But what you think about what you think about Floyd and Paul Williams at forty seven? Uh, I think Floyd struggles initially, but then then he's just walking him down, isn't he? Don't give Williams don't give Williams his distance. Walk him down, and I think you're all good because Williams 
the height was scarier than anything else. I know people talk about the power, but at 147, I think the weight, making weight took his power away. He was more, he was more deadly at 154. Like Tommy Hearns, actually. Hearns got more devastating knockouts at 54 than 47. Mm. Yeah. But what then, was he, 6'1", 6'2"? I think it was that punch rate. Floyd didn't want to deal with that. But he could have. If the money was right. I, I, and that... that and that's what Floyd's done in the game, right? Floyd's told people, don't take the fight if the money's not right. Mm-hmm. And now you've got amateurs going, yeah, I don't want to fight this other kid because, you know, we might do it in the pros and I want to make my money then. It's crazy. That's true. They, 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 they've stopped looking at this thing as a job and they look at it as like a, like a lottery. So you just wait long enough, eventually you're going to win that lottery. But then the fucking, but then the fucking waiting causes you fail at some point. Yeah, I think I always say it's it's more profitable to fight twice than it is to to fight once in a big fight. Yeah, and then that one big fight, your last. Yeah. <laughs> but Greg, Greg, we have this problem here because at light heavyweight in Britain right now, we've got we've got a group of kids. They're all about the same age within one or two years. There's a kid called Joshua Boatsy, trains with Virgil Hunter. There's a kid called Craig Richards. He trains over here, but he might be the most durable man I've ever met. Never been wobbled, never been dropped. Never, I don't even think he's ever been hurt. We got another young guy called Dan Aziz, who is kind of channeling the spirit of Marvin Hagler. We've got this kid, Anthony Yard, as well, who looks like yeah. he might be the real deal. And then another guy, Lyndon Arthur. We've got five or six of these kids at the same age, same level. And we're like, just fight each other. Make and your they- money here and fight each other. They're not even talking about these guys fighting each other? Nah. Nope. That's crazy. And think about it. We're about the size of what? Pennsylvania? What? Yeah. The UK is not big. We're not big. We're the size of like a, one of the states in the US. So if the UK is that... Hold on, hold on. So you're talking about the UK is the country. Yeah. But then uh, surrounding is what? Water. No, but I'm saying, oh, hold on, I'm confused because it's right. a lot of it's a lot of no, fights no. no, exactly. So the United Kingdom population was sixty million, but it's four. It's really four countries. Yeah, it's it's England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, and some islands that we've taken and never given back. But you can't you can't fit sixty million inside of Pennsylvania. Yeah, you could. Man. How many people live in Philly? Philly is uh, probably like 2.5 million. Yeah, so, yeah. You, but, but then I look at, head out to, to those, to those outer, outer states where Pittsburgh's in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Yeah, you, you imagine putting towns and cities in and around there. You, you could, you'd fit 60 million comfortably. So, you, so you're saying this only, it's, the UK is only as big as Pennsylvania? Although I don't even know how big Pennsylvania is, but it's as big as an American state. It's a small country. Real? That's crazy. Mm. That's crazy. But we're fanatical about sport. Like, we get behind our people. That's the difference. So right. you can get 50,000 in the stadium. Right, 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 right. Like, regularly. Damn, that's interesting. Because when I be on Box Rec and I be looking, it's always cards over there. It's always a lot of cards all the time. Yeah, because we find ways to make money from this shit. Yeah. So how often do you go to fights? Oh, man. 
Theoretically, I could go every week, Greg, but I tend to go now just because the quality is so bad. I go when my friends are fighting. Right, right, right. That's generally when I go. So I'll, I'll go and show support to my people and just make sure that, you know, I, I buy those tickets, make sure they get their money. So what's the ticket price like? Uh, in US terms, anywhere between $75 and $150. Yeah, but if you nice. go for the bigger fights, you, um, okay, so Khan Brook, most expensive seats are $1,500. Yeah. For a Joshua fight, Jesus, you're paying maybe $3,000. <laughs> but you're talking about where? To, to, to sit where? Bro, ringside. So first five rows. Okay, so you're talking like three grand, three, four, five. Yeah, yeah. so, so you, you'd definitely be, you'd be seen on TV. Yeah, 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 the Joshua fight. That's because when you pay that kind of money, your people need to see you on TV. For sure. <laughs> Hell that's yeah. when you wear the yellow suit. You know what I mean, that's when you wear that pimp suit <laughs> with the fur hat and shit. You got me out there looking, looking like Big Meech and Frank Lucas. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, that's real shit. Damn. Yeah, I always, I only have their own mafia as well. I always wanted to fight over there. What'd you say? Didn't Philly have their own mafia as well? Didn't Philly have the BMF as well? No, we had um, a JBM, Junior Black Mafia. But before that, in the 50s and 60s, you had the uh, Black Mafia, who was, uh, the, it was uh, Food of Islam, Muslims. Yeah, I remember. I had a book on that. And I was like, wow, this Philly place is crazy. Yeah, it's a lot of, it, it, that's like the nature of the, I mean, everybody, everybody is like related to the street. You know what I mean? You got that's why you got to be careful because you can't even have certain conversations because you know you might somebody might overhear or somebody you know would decode something you're saying. That's like, oh well, you yeah. know about it. yeah. So it's it's crafty. Well, because I remember there was a show that a guy called Louis Theroux did something on Philly, and it was a guy called Reds, guy with big ginger. Beard. It's called Reds, and they said this guy was the kingpin. I think he was from is it Kensington? He might have been. See, that's the thing about Philly. Like they say stuff like that, but in Philly, like if so, if they say you a kingpin. It might be. It could be true, but it's not like in the sense of like of a uh, Larry Hoover. Or something. You know, you know how like Larry Hoover, he had so much respect. Nobody yeah. wouldn't touch. Him. You know what I mean? Nobody wouldn't touch him. Or or like uh, Rick Ross. Nobody wouldn't touch him, but in Philly, it's not like that. In Philly, a kid, a kid, a kid. Who said? I remember I met Eve once. Yeah. Who, after Little Kim and Lauren Hill, is probably my favorite female rapper ever. And I met yeah. her in the UK, and she was saying that about Philadelphia. She was like, "You can be on top of Philly on Friday and be dead on Monday." Yeah. And yeah, it'll be a fourteen-year-old that killed you. Yeah, it's not no, it's not like it's not like we like guys like we don't have guys who who from one part of the city can control the other part or can tell somebody what to do over. There. Like you might you might have a little bit of respect but for that same respect. It's somebody around the corner, and then they'll come get you. Wow, they don't care. But you see, that then creeps into your boxing culture, right? Yeah, yeah, but that's why I make so many great fights. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, you see, here, because we recruit nice guys, like, I remember when, what year was it? It's like 2007. Dillian White walked into our gym 
and he was told thank you but no thanks yeah. why because because he was a savage from then and yeah. it didn't fit with our gym so a lot of people didn't want him in their gym because he brought that street element but i don't think you go far in boxing if you don't have that if you haven't been through struggle boxing's a hard hard sport so you're saying over there yeah they don't even recruit gangsters no because people are scared but that's the guys you need in the gym 100 <laughs> percent. so i think because that's they're why you. Yeah, yeah they're showing their toughness yeah yeah, that's why I think that's probably why Philly is the way it is because most of the guys coming in the gym, they're street guys. Yeah, and so you don't have to teach them how to how to take people's heads off. They're like, okay, I, I want to do it, but you show me how. So it's just more so like conditioning them. <laughs> yeah, well, give, just giving them the right tools. Yeah, that's all. Just point point me towards it. <laughs> no, I got you. Dang, that's crazy. Nah, it is. And it, it's, we've, from the UK, man, we've got a lot to learn from the US. A lot to learn. I mean, somebody, I got it. I got, yeah, fuck that, man. I got to get over there. That's going to be funny. But then how would, if I came over there talking like that, I mean, how would they take that, though? Oh, bro, man. You might get found in the forest somewhere. Because <laughs> you know, remember, like, I don't know if it's the same in America, but in the UK, boxing's a sport full of really insecure men. True, true. Really insecure men. So when Greg Hackett comes over and he says, look, here are the guys I've been in the ring with, here's who I've trained, they get scared now because they're like, oh, he must know something I don't. He's going to come and steal all my fighters. Mm. So they block you. Damn. Yeah, I got you. But it's true, it's true what you're saying about the insecure part because we go through that with the trainers. We go through that with everything. The fighters, yeah. the trainers. I, I think in boxing, you should be able to sign a three-year contract with a trainer. Yeah. So you know you, I've got this guy for three years. I've got three years to prove I'm the best. Right. And that stops other guys knocking on the door and trying to steal him. I like I like that idea about what you were saying about getting the kids together and picking the picking the top five out of the kids. Yeah, but to do that, Greg, you need to have boxing back in schools. Mm. In the schools, yeah, that's crazy. But All now right. look at who runs the schools. The people who run the schools are the people who were scared when they were at school. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, so imagine you walk into the school and you got to tell the principal. We're going to build some super goons for you. <laughs> That's their worst nightmare. <laughs> super goons. <laughs> That's real shit, though. Hey, like, none of that Black Thought and Questlove nonsense, man. Straight Beanie Seagulls. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's real shit. <laughs> and now you got 50 of them walking around. Exactly. And they all know what they're doing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's crazy, bro. No, that's a great analogy, though. <laughs> it is. Because, you know, like in this country, like we, when we hear Philadelphia, man, everyone starts going, oh, wow, 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 wow. Yeah. That's why we got to get over there, man. want to get over there bad.
But I don't want to get I don't want to get found in the forest neither. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be caught up in the forest. No, no, there's some guys. There's, there's some guys who are cool. There's guys who who don't mind listening. So who your favorite? Who younger guys don't mind listening? Who's your favorite right now from uh from over there? What training or fighting? Uh, fighting. Ooh. It's too easy to say Tyson Fury, so let's not say him. It's Craig right. Richards for me. And, and a lot of people are going to be upset because I've got a lot of friends who box. But I, I love Craig Richards for the reason that I don't think he's ever missed a days of, that day of training unless he's been injured. Doesn't miss training. Doesn't avoid sparring. Doesn't, he does everything you want someone to. It's that consistency. Right. And like when he fought Bivol, I felt sorry for him because I spoke to him, I think, two days after he fought Bivol. And I said, if you fought him again tomorrow, would you beat him? He's like, oh, now, that, now that I know I belong at that level, I'd beat him easily. I'd like to see him fight Marcus Brown next or Badu Jack. Okay. Shit, Badu Jack might be a cruiserweight now. What you think? Oh, that's a good point. Maybe then we'll call out Pascal. Yeah, Pascal, good one. That's a good one. Yeah, because sometimes you just need that name that says, look, you know, here's me at world level. That's real shit. So what, oh, if, yeah. so, so what if a trainer, huh? That was insane. So Craig Richards is one. Um, there's, a, there's a kid here called Dennis McCann, and he looks like he's got everything. So he's, what, yeah. bantamweight? And he's southpaw, has every punch in the book. He's just younger. He's 20, so he needs that experience. He just needs seasoning. Right. But when you watch him, you go, okay, this is the kid. And what's his name again? Dennis McCann. Dennis McCann. All right. Yeah, you got I told you, you got to send me a list, man, so I could just check them out one by one. No, nah, I will do. I'll, I'll probably do that tomorrow. I don't know. Who, yeah. who else is there to, to get excited about in the UK? Uh... Have we got any young heavyweights coming through? So you said you're five hours ahead of us. So it's what, 10 o'clock? 10.30 yeah. or then? What time is 10 it? 10.30 yeah. at night. 10.30 at night. Yeah. Damn. Dalton Smith, somebody said? Uh, yes, but he's still in that kind of prospect stage. Really, really early in his career. Connor Ben, ben Whitaker? Okay, so... Ben Whitaker, silver medalist in the Olympics at um, 81 kilos. So he's a light heavyweight. He's the real deal. But we haven't seen him fight yet. So my, my response to that is, if his chin holds up in the pros, savage. Mm. Can do everything. Can do everything. Okay. We'll uh, wait. We'll wait. He'll box it light heavyweight. Okay. What about, uh, oh, yeah, they said Dubois. I know Dubois, heavyweight. Mm, but when he lost to Joe Joyce, we don't know how much that took from him. Because you know what happens to some people when they lose? Yeah, they get mentally destroyed. It's the Damani Rock problem. So, you see, with Damani Rock, he was so far ahead of everyone of his generation. It was easy for him. Right. So, he never, he, so then when he got in with some of these older guys who've had to struggle, he, he couldn't find that space himself. And I think that happened with Dubois where he couldn't find that dark place, that place of struggle, and say, I've been here before. So Dubois, you think, was um, 
Because for Darmani Rock, he was kind of like, uh, to make sense of it, of his age bracket, somewhat of like a celebrity. So it kind of like that. He's, he's been the chosen one since he was 15. Mm, yeah, yeah, okay. So, so when there were rumors about him dropping Joshua and sparring and this, that, and the other, this would have been when he was 18. Right, right, right. A lot of pressure. Okay, I got you. Connor so, Ben. Uh, untested. Okay, so, so, okay, right, this will go out to Philly. Here's an example. You can compare Connor Ben with Jerome Ennis. Roughly same number of fights in the pro game. Look at, look at who Ennis has fought, look at who Ben's fought. Levels. Mm-hmm. So if Ennis were to fight for a world title tomorrow, no one would be surprised. Right. If Conor Ben did, it would be a big surprise. You'd think, whoa, is he ready? Right. But he'll be ready one day. It's just, okay. what, what we don't like is don't oversell someone before they've proven it. Right, right. That's true. That's all. Um, Josh Taylor as well. Let's not sleep on Josh Taylor, who I think, I mean, think about this guy, undisputed in 18 fights. Right. You know, I think that's, that's great in anyone's estimation. That's true. And it's not like he had an easy route to Undisputed either. No, he didn't. I like yeah. Josh Taylor, too. I like him. Can do everything. Yeah, he nasty. You know, somebody, people, people... Somebody, my bad. Somebody say Felix Cash. No. No, 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 no. Felix is... He's all work rate and strength, but there's no... I call it... To be a world champion, you have to make good decisions in the ring. That means you've got to understand what's happening in front of you. I don't think he does. Mm. He's one of those guys you can just, you know, like you get those toys that you wind up and you just let it go. And, <laughs> it go. and, and the toy is working, but it don't even know where it's going. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit like that. So he's, yeah, yeah. he's too good for domestic level, but maybe not good enough you. for that elite world level. For the world level. Yeah, I got yeah. you. I got you. Uh, another one, look, I, I don't personally like the kid, but Sonny Edwards at Flyweight. You know, mm. if you're an American, I think you can appreciate what he does. He's very much hit and don't get hit. Um, right. You know, would like him to, do, to get some knockouts, but he, in terms of hit and don't get hit, he's good. And he trains with Dalton Smith as well. So they're trained by, by Dalton's dad, Grant Smith. Okay. Damn, this is crazy. I got to start doing more homework on these guys, man. Just checking yeah. these guys out, the trainers and stuff. How about your favorite trainers from over there? Mm. Wow. This is tough. <laughs> so, so you have to, for me, you have to go to the guys who have produced regularly. So Joe Gallagher's produced. He's given us Scott Quigg. He gave us Callum Smith. He gave us Callum Johnson, who's going to fight Joe Smith in two weeks. He's given us Anthony Crawler, who was a world champion. He's given us a few world champions, and he was Ring Magazine's Trainer of the Year, I think, in 2016. So he has to be included in that. Uh, there's a guy called Tony Sims here who trains Conor Ben, and he's had, a, he's had his second coming with Conor Ben and, T- and a few other guys. So those guys you have to put in the mix. But there are a few young guys who no one talks about. So my friend Donald Smith is coming through. He's got his first guy who's 4-0 now. And, you know, he's one of these fresh, fresh voices in the game. I like it, you know. He, he preaches combination punching, which it is it's unusual in the UK to talk in terms of combinations. Uh, ben Davison, you have to take your hats off to because, oh, what's he now? He's 29. Yeah. And look at, look at who he's got. In yeah, he's been, he been in some major camps. 
Exactly. And what I like about him is he goes to learn from other people. Right. I think they're the guys you look at and you go, right, these are, these are your leading lights at the moment. Yeah. But we don't, what we don't have that you guys have is we don't have this, this knowledge transfer. So you look at someone like Ronnie Shields. Right. Uh, Ronnie Shields came up as an assistant in Mike Tyson camps in the late 90s, right? Right. Um, I don't know. He might have also coached the Olympics. No, but... No, but if you if you do if you do a little bit, go back a little bit more. He was uh, understudy uh, up under um, George Benton. George Benton. Yeah, yes, young lady. Yeah. So you see all that knowledge, right? Ronnie Shields gets all of that knowledge for free without having to make those mistakes. Right. Whereas here, people start from scratch. That's why you see a lot of trainers in the UK. They go straight to the internet, but the internet doesn't give you context. It just gives you information. Right. You need that old wise head. Like I remember being in New York and I spent, spent a lot of time in Gleason's with this used to be a guy, rest in peace, Sean Razor. And Sean Razor's not like a, a world-class coach in terms of having 50 champions, but he had good fighters. Mark Breland was there at the same time as well. And these guys just knew boxing. Right. And, you know, they could break it down and go, this is why you do this, this is why you do that. Look, when Bob Foster was boxing, this is how he did it and this is why he did it. And I was like, you don't get this in the UK. You just don't get it because everyone thinks they can do it themselves. It's that insecurity. Right. You know, so, uh, you know, I can't go and ask this guy for help. And then if, if someone goes and asks for help, you get paranoid. Like, why is he asking me for help? What's he, he's trying to, he's trying to learn what I know. And then he'll beat me with his fighters. And you think, oh, Jesus, man. <laughs> It's crazy. I got you. Yeah, I got we got we got a lot of young trainers coming up too in Philly, coming out of Philly. Some real good ones, man. I I can't wait to see like the next ten years to see how shit turn out for you know. Everybody. Yeah, but I think for me, when I look at Philly guys, everyone in Philly seems able to fight, but sometimes they're too humble for their own good. Yeah, like you look at someone like J Rock. You no, know, we don't hear from him. Right. We don't see him, but he can fight. Right. So we're like, you know, you know, Paul Crow. Paul Crow can fight, but where's Paul? We don't hear from him. Right. You know, you can go through all the go down that list of Philly guys. They're, they're, it's not that they're lazy. It just strikes me that they're, they're too humble for their own good, because right. that's the culture in Philly, right? Right. Talk softly, but carry a big stick. Right. But let's turn it back to you, man. What's happening with you and Gabe? <laughs> I ain't talked to Gabe in a minute, man. But, you know, everything cool, Give him a though. call. F Listen, call him up now while we're on here. <laughs> <laughs> I need another phone. I ain't got, only got my phone. <laughs> oh, man. That's what he said, yeah, man. Because I, I enjoyed watching you guys work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was fun, man. I had a lot of, I had a lot of fun fucking with Gabe, man. Working with Gabe. You, you, you love that YouTube life as well. You love that YouTuber life. Out in yeah, I mean that kind of that shit just kind of happened, you know what I mean? So I wasn't like 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 you said in Philly, we don't really like like you don't find guys that's like I think the last two years we got we got a YSM sports media, and before that we had a kid named um, Philly Keith. It was a white guy, yeah. Irish kid from Philly, and he used to record a lot. But besides that, we never really had a lot of people who come to to the city with the camera or in the city with the camera and actually supporting the fighters, you know. So, 
Yeah. With all of that. What about this raging babe chick? What's she all about? She really, I don't know. She really not from Philly. She's like, she from like the outskirts of Philly. And then she was like, she was like working for the promoters. I don't really, I don't, I don't know how to really, because every time I heard her name or I was around her, she was doing something outside of boxing too. So I don't know exactly like what you would say she do. You know what I mean? Because there's no money in boxing. This is what people don't realize. Nah. But unless you're, unless you're at that kind of fringe world level, it's hard to make a living. You can be, like, people don't understand in boxing, you can be a winner in the ring, but, but you could be losing in life. And, and you, you can, can be, be losing in the ring and winning outside. Yeah, you could be, yes, it's a lot. It's, this shit is crazy. Like, people think they know, people think when they look at boxing, they think it's like, they think it's like, you know, everything glitz and glamour and I'm going to get a Bugatti and all that. Like, nah, that shit don't go like that, bro. Like, this is everyday work. And you need you know, a great support when system. I, when I talk to youngsters and they get televised, I tell them this. All that promoter is giving you is a platform. They're not giving you a life. They're not giving you a job. They're not giving you an income. They're giving you a platform. Mm -hmm. If you don't know where to point your fan base, you'll never make money. Mm -mm. That's so true. With me, like I say to guys, look, if, if you're being sponsored by a mechanic, as soon as you get that camera in your face, you need to shout out that mechanic and make sure there's a discount code with your name attached to it. So you can say, look, look at all the people that use the discount code. That's me. Real you know, shit. You can demonstrate value. Real shit. That's what I say to them. I say, if you can demonstrate value to people, you'll make a living in anything. It's not just boxing. Swain, what's up, guys? <laughs> Good to hear from you. Yeah, man, that's it. That shit is that's true though. But like, like, but how many people are being taught that in their house or being taught that in school? So that's why it's so hard. But that's that's the that's the crisis of the working class right now. And it's it's not just it's not even about race right now. It's about class. True. If if your dad's not home, your dad's not teaching you, man. He's not saying, look, you've always got to be making money. I say, look, the pressure of being a man in this earth is once you become a man you almost don't get any days off. Hell no. Now, pressure is everything because you always have to be earning. Hell yeah, that's true. Do you know what I mean? And if you don't have a dad around you to explain that, it's hard. And a lot of boxers will come in and you have to explain to them, look, young man, you've got to go and sell tickets. But they're not used to that because if you come from a household and it's your mom, your mom loves you no matter what you do. She supports you no matter what you do. But you have to explain, the audience ain't going to do that for you. That's true. You've, you've, you've got to make yourself marketable. That doesn't mean you have to be a clown. It just means that you go into that ring and you give them value for money. That's true. And that was, a, that was a crazy joke, too. I'm glad you dropped that. Especially. I'm glad you dropped that. Need that. Yeah. It, too many times, man. It's two things. One, you have to understand slow money is better than no money. True. You know, a lot of guys are there waiting and they say, look, I ain't signing for this promoter. I'm not signing for Greg Cohen. I'm going to wait for Al to come and get me. And you're like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Sign, sign now. I mean, make sure you're getting that money. Prove yourself. And the bigger guys will come. They will pay whatever it takes to get you out of that contract. Because that's the problem Ennis has got at the moment, right? Yeah. I think, he, I think he might, I think he might have had that problem. Because the guy's suing him saying, I'm your real promoter. And Al's like, Listen, I ain't gonna make you world champion to get twenty percent. I need, I need my share of the pie. Yeah, 
So everyone's going to find a way to make that sweet enough that there's no drama. And then you'll see Ennis get pushed for that world title pretty quickly. Yeah. But it's a lesson, man. Get your business straight. Yeah, that's true. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you a UK example. There's a young kid here, right, that we used to train. Like, what's he now? He's 18. Monster of a kid. Like, you know one of those guys who matured early? Right. Now, I advised him, listen, do another two years as an amateur. Make all your mistakes away from the public eye. Make all of those mistakes. Learn your lessons. He turned pro. Promoter says, listen, I need you to fill in. So he makes his debut on the B side, filling in for mm. a fighter who felt ill. And what happens? He loses. Damn. And I said to him, you sacrificed your oath for 4,000 pounds. Right. That's what you sold it for, essentially. And why? Because his manager is friends with the promoter and wants to look good to the promoter. Because, you know, he, he has other agendas. Right. And this is what I say to people. If you've got the wrong people around you, you're going to struggle. That's crazy. That's some real shit, too. Yeah. Hey. Imagine that. You, so he's, 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 he's 0 and 1 until he fights again. Right. And he's 18, so you know he hasn't got that maturity to deal with what actually happened. Right. That's crazy. We got, we got 20 seconds. They're going to knock us off here, but I appreciate you, bro. I swear. No, no, no worries, man. Like, it's about time we, we, we chopped it up properly. No, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this a bit more too. I guess as the big fights keep coming along, we'll keep talking. No, saving these lives. I'm gonna go ahead and save this live too, bro. Happy New Year. Have a good one. Happy New Year to you, baby. Take care, brother. All right, my guy.